Welcome to the Body Image Workshop. My name is Phil, Compulsive Reader, and I'll be your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. Thank you. We remind you that this, that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic of this session is body image, seeing the glitter. The following is a reading from Overeaters Anonymous, second edition, pages 130-131. Perfection for me is a killer. I can never be perfect. Only God is perfect. I have had enough shame in my life that I don't need to shame myself over not having a perfect abstinence. As long as I am abstinent today, my goal weight is what I weigh today. I don't worry about it because I can't change my weight one day at a time. Only God can do that instantly, and if I'm abstinent, my weight is exactly what God wants it to be today. Weight is not the problem. Life is the problem. And I work on that through the 12 steps and daily contact with my God. Our first speaker is Shirley from Sunnyvale. Before I get started, I just want to let you guys know there's pictures, and on the reverse side are articles that were published by Lifeline, and then there's a plastic bag with a 10-minute chip, and then there's... um, a card that tells you what the 10 minutes um, can stand for. And then there's a piece of literature. It's called the OA Pocket Reference. Um, And as a newcomer, I loved that piece of literature. Because if the secretary didn't show up on time, you had everything you needed on that. I think it's a trifold or whatever. So, you know, help yourself. It's my gift to you. And 
So I'm really kind of nervous, and, and I don't really know what to say about body image. It's a topic I've always wanted uh, to share on, and for some reason, as this convention has gotten closer, it's been the more nervous and the more scared I have gotten. So I kind of look at it as maybe it's an issue that I have to deal with. And so I don't really know what's going on. And I'm going to trust that my higher power will give me the words and the wisdom to know what to share today. Uh, some of it could be funny and outrageous. And other things um, may be kind of like really boring. But um, anyway, I'm just going to... I'm just going to let it go, okay? Anyway, um, because of my mother-in-law and my husband, they helped me to find a doctor who recommended that I come to Overeaters Anonymous. The doctor also wanted me to go to a commercial diet, which I think a lot of us have tried. Um, and in my case, it was a tried and failed thing that never really worked. Anyway, on June the 6th, 1994, I just celebrated 18 years of imperfect absence. And July 18, 1992, I celebrated 20 years of being in program, no matter what. Thanks. And, you know, the absence and the recovery has absolutely nothing to do with me. It was all of my higher power. You know, every time I said I wasn't going to go to a meeting or I wasn't going to do service, the phone would ring or somebody would say something to me and I would say, um, okay, I I'll meet you at the at the big Saturday meeting, and, and there I was again, you know, I was back in service. I, I do have my big pants. These were the pants I wore when I walked into OA. Um, thank God they don't fit anymore. <laughs> um, and... The sizes of my clothes, uh, like a lot of people, have, have been on this up and down thing. And so I'm just going to share some of my um, experience, strength, and hope with body image. Um, I don't know how many people in this room will be able to relate but um, we'll kind of see what happens. 
From the time that I was about eight years old, my parents have always criticized the size of my body, you know, um, and my relatives, um, guys that I dated, even my husband, everyone had an expectation of what they thought my body should be. Um, my first husband had a weight requirement, and if I didn't meet his weight requirement, then he didn't really think that I was someone he wanted to be sexually intimate with. And, you know, so I kept uh, doing these diets, and after a while, I got really tired, you know, of doing it because it was like no matter what I weighed, he would find another reason of why I wasn't good enough. And that finally led to me um, finding something that was more desirable, something that um, didn't uh, criticize me, and that thing was food. And it wasn't until after I came in program I learned that this hole that I had that I was trying to fill with food was meant for HP, not the food. And um, that was a really difficult lesson that I learned. Through the years of working all 12 steps, I discovered how to love myself. And by the grace of God, I had some really wonderful sponsors, and they did. They, they said that I was worthwhile and that they would love me. You know, I think it's in the invitation to you. It says, we will love you until you can love yourself. And that's what's happened. Um, one of the articles that was published in Lifeline um, is something uh, that my sponsor taught me, and it was um, titled Just As I Am. This is the size that my body is today. I love and accept me just as I am. And the thing of it is, when you're over 200 pounds, looking at your body and, and saying this affirmation, um, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy saying that. And the, the slogan I'm going to be referring to is the symptom is physical, the problem is emotional, 
and the solution is spiritual. So I basically have already covered the part of the symptom being physical. And the problem is emotional. Um, What I discovered was besides being a compulsive overeater, I'm also a bipolar. And having those two things um, was really difficult um, for me to uh, deal with Um, because I'm on special medication and I have um, different doctors who help me in dealing with these problems. I don't know about you, but I found a lot of reasons to eat. You know, I could be driving my car, I could be driving my car down the road and somebody would piss me off, so that's a reason to eat. Or I'm in the grocery store and the cashier is taking too long, that's another reason to eat. You know, and so I can just like go on and on about why I want to eat. My, I think it was in 2004, my husband um, offered something to me. Basically, what he offered me was plastic surgery. Um, If I could keep 100 pounds off for one year. And at first, I went to my sponsor, and I was complaining, because it's like, I worked so hard to get this weight off, and You know, he would lay there and kind of, like, play with some of the loose skin and stuff. And that wasn't making me feel real good. And um, so, anyway, my sponsor and I talked about the surgery. And I also had feelings about my mother's body and basically how I looked when I was... Uh, standing in a full-length mirror, and I was nude. And so I finally decided that I would do the surgery, you know, and my sponsor, bless her, um, we're still together. And she reminded me, she says, okay, Shirley, when you go into the operating room, I don't want you to do it um, because, you know, you're angry or you're upset with your mother, you know, that she wanted me to be in acceptance. And I thought a lot about that. And and so it was like, okay, you know, so so it's like more reading, more writing, um... And I was able to do that. And the last part is um, the solution is spiritual from that slogan. I do a lot of 
writing and praying so I can surrender everything over to my higher power. Everything goes in my God box. Um, it's interesting. Um, I have this uh, journal right now, and it says write, you know, W-R-I-T-E. And so it says it stands for wonder, realize, imagine, think, and enjoy. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. It was difficult getting ready for this share until I talked to my sponsor. She helped me to understand what I needed to love, and she felt it was really important that I be honest, you know, no matter what I said, you know, because I was thinking about, well, I could tell them, you know, how I helped my daughters with their body image. And she goes, no, I think it would be better if you focused on you, you know, <laughs> not your daughters, you know. So the last thing I want to close with um, well, there's a couple things. One is it's a couple of items um, about body image. And one is when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Is it positive or negative? You know. And then the second thing is learning to love what you see in the mirror. Healthy lifestyle choices are also key to improving body image. And then, okay, there's a reading from Voices of Recovery from June the 29th. It's actually focusing on step eight for mercy and forgiveness. It talks about the sand dollar. And I'm just going to read the last paragraph. It says, love the imperfect people around you. Love your imperfect self and your imperfect world. For if you cannot love life the way it is, you will suffer from eternal loneliness. We all live in an imperfect world surrounded by imperfect people. The ability to love yourself and those around you is a gift from God that enables you to live fully, bravely, and meaningfully in an imperfect world. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Shirley. Okay, our second speaker is Grisha from San Francisco. Hi, family. I'm Grisha, compulsive overeater. <sighs> it's nice to see everybody out there. Um, can you hear me okay? Okay. Oh, louder. Okay. Um, let's see. God, move my lips. Um, first, some, just some statistics. Um, I came into program January 
1998. Uh, my top weight was over 300 pounds, probably about 320. Um, I've been abstinent for 14 years and maintaining a uh, weight loss of over 100 pounds. And, um, and I just, you know, the, our primary purpose is to remain abstinent and help and carry the mus- message to those who still suffer. And I, w- I hope my message is of hope because I got hope in OA. And um, if I can do it, you can do it. Like I was someone who was morbidly obese, ate like a maniac all day. Um, there was never enough food. And um, step one was easy for me. I knew that I was a compulsive eater and I knew that I had a problem with food. But I, di- I didn't know that there was a solution. And I found it in OA. And um, so if you're new, please keep coming back. If you're an old-timer, please keep coming back. And thank you to everyone who was there when I walked in the room. Um, and I'm committed to staying and being here, too. So um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really know. Um, I struggled with body image all my life, so I know about the problem. <laughs> um, but as they say in the big book, there is a solution. So um, one thing that I always like to do, I learned this in program, and I also use it a lot as a kindergarten teacher, is when there's a simple word that you hear all the time, sometimes it's hard to define it or understand it. Look it up in the dictionary. So I looked up body, the entire material or physical structure of an organism, an image, a representation of a person. And so those two definitions just help me kind of think outside the box about my body and the image of my body. And um, so the physical structure of my, this organism is, um, you know, I'm, at, I'm a thin person now. I never was. I grew up, um, you know, my, and starting at about puberty, I, I got fat and I stayed obese until I came to OA. So for me, the physical structure was really overweight, a lot of fat rolls. Um, I had uh, male, I had big breasts. I was, um, you know, flat-footed, fat-footed. I looked at my body always through the lens of self-hatred. And, um, and I still do. I still have a tendency to do that. Um, so I could just stand in the mirror and look at myself and think, oh, I just hate that, and I hate that, and I hate that part, and I hate that part, and that's awful, and that's awful. And I could not find one redeeming quality. Um, although I can tan pretty well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so as a 320-pound person, I'd like to put on baby oil and fry myself in the sun. Not healthy, but I could get a good tan. And as they say, dark walls make the room look smaller. So I thought, um, get a tan and wear black. And uh, so, you know, but I always looked at myself through this lens of self-hatred, and I really always hated my body. And felt a lot of anger about it, a lot of um, frustration and sadness about it. In junior high school, I w- my nickname was Porky. That movie had come out, uh, Porky's or whatever that movie was. And um, so a lot of shame, a lot of um, self-hatred. And um, so what happened was I found the solution in OA to physical recovery, and I got a food plan, and I stuck to it one day at a time no matter what. And I got really honest about the foods that I put into my body. And I really like what it says in the Dignity of Choice brochure, which is we eat uh, healthy foods in appropriate amounts. And even though it seems like a big mystery, it's really not. It's basically like if I'm not in a health, if my body, if I'm not at a healthy weight, I'm not eating healthy foods in appropriate amounts. And the only way that I can do that really is to have a food plan, commit to it one day at a time, and work the steps like a crazy person to stay abstinent. 
and that's what I did. And so I got physical recovery. Um, well, my first year, my, my, my first food plan and my first year in recovery was very slow. Um, I basically lost about 25 pounds, which I could have done in a weekend on Atkins in the old days. Um, so, was, <clears throat> But I got used to being abstinent. And I also started working on the opposite of self-hatred, taking off the lens of self-hatred and putting on the lens of self-acceptance. And it was during that first year of abstinence that I really started, you know, I was working the steps. I had a sponsor. I had commitments. Uh, I was doing service and um, staying with my food plan. And um, thank you. Um, And I started to work on self-acceptance. And I started dating because I was someone who um, never dated. I didn't didn't really want to believe I existed from the double chin down. And so I mainly... um, just felt a lot of shame, a lot of insecurity, and I didn't date. I was gay. I came out, of, I came out to myself early, but not to everyone else so early. Um, I started dating in OA, and I jokingly always say I dated 90 men in 90 days. <laughs> and <clears throat> and uh, during that period, I was not, and I was not in this body size. You know, like I was still overweight. I still had, you know, issues. I still was seeing myself through the lens of self-hatred a lot of times. And But I worked the steps around it, and I worked with my sponsor around it. And I remember I was actually dating this guy in, from Seattle, and he was really, like, uh, physically, he was just, like, this Adonis to me. And I felt so uncomfortable being uh, physically intimate with him. And I was, said to my sponsor, you know, like, oh, I just don't know what to do. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. And, and she challenged me, and she said, you know, call me before you see him, and then when you see him, you're going to stand in front of him naked, and you're going to say... Um, you're just going to tell him how you feel, like that you're really insecure about your body. And, and so I did that, and he said, I love your body. And I thought, well, that's cool, you liar. You're just saying that because you want a piece. No, um, so, uh, you know, I, I just, I guess the, what I learned to do was to try to take off the lens of self hatred put on the lens of self-acceptance and just walk through the fear and walk through the feelings and walk through the pain. And I just started, I just started doing that, you know, and, um, I started, uh, I started running in abstinence and I started, um, you know, I'm somebody who was a 320 pound, three packs a day, chain smoking, drug addict, alcoholic, compulsive eater sitting on the couch watching porno. And so, (laughs) um, at some point, I started running, and I started. I actually uh, ended up running four full marathons and a number of half marathons, which is a complete and bizarre miracle to me. Proof that there's a higher power, and proof that if I can do it, you can do anything. Um, and it, but you know, I remember I actually spoke, I think, on body image uh, many years ago at another convention, and I remember like in that body that could run 26.2 miles. Um, where, you know, like I was feel I was getting muscles, I was thin, I felt very healthy, my heart, my I go to my doctor and he's like, You have an athlete's heartbeat, you know, like it was bizarre to me. I was in this new realm of physical recovery. But, you know, I still had that I could still put on the lens of self hatred. And I remember talking about how like I have all this loose skin and when I would run, it would flap. I could it would make a it would make a sound of like <laughs> and you know I've, it's like, okay, ignore the fact that I can run 26.2 miles and focus on the fact that my skin's making this weird sound, you know? It's like, so I really, it just has taken so much work to flip the lens, you know? Take that, 
self-hatred lens off, put the self-acceptance lens on, and and really focus on the positive. Like I'm healthy. <clears throat> I'm at a no I'm in a normal sized body. Do I like my stretch marks? No. Do I like all the extra skin? No. Do I like every part of my body? No. But I am healthy, and I have. Um, I'm actually five years, almost five years into a the most amazing relationship I've ever been to in 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 my life with someone who really does love my body, and I do believe him because he's not much of a liar. And um, and I can just you know like I was in the hotel room, and many of you know who are staying here that there are three full length mirrors. There's two at the closet and one right next to it, and the bathroom mirror goes down pretty low too. So. Um, it's like, there you are, there you are, there you are, there you are. <laughs> and um, I really was trying to think about, what, you know, as I was getting ready for this workshop to think about, well, you know, am I really accepting myself? What is my body? What is my image of my body? And it's still distorted, you know. I still, um, I still if somebody describes me as a thin person, I'm, you know, I'm still like, talking about me? Um, I still have, I can still put on that self-hatred lens really easily because I'm not perfect. And I really appreciated that reading about being imperfect. And, um, and that really, I mean, this is my body. This is what I've got. I could actually, and I did at some point at about, you know, six, five years of recovery, I went to a plastic surgeon, surgeon and I got, um, I got an estimate. <laughs> he took the measurements, he talked to me, and, um, and you know, basically they were going to have to, like, slice me all the way around my torso Cut out, cut out my nipples and store them during the surgery and bring, you know, like, I was like, oh, this sounds awful, you know, and I, I don't, I know there are television shows that show that stuff now, but I've not seen them, but um, I remember talking to my sponsor and talking to people at the time, like, well, should I do this? Because I don't know if I can ever accept my body the way it is. I really, I didn't think I could, and I really was considering it, and my sponsor at the time was just saying, like, well, it's an option. Do you really think it's going to you know, or do you feel you're going to feel perfect? And I started to think about I'm going to have this big scar that goes all the way around. I'm going to have scars on my arms. I'm going to have like reinstalled nipples. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I started wondering. Well, I don't know. That that said, that is a little bit weird. I wonder if I could just work the steps around this <laughs> instead. And uh, and ultimately, that's what I had to do. And I had a sponsor early on who told me the answer to all your problems is in the big book. And so. And I have found it to be true that if any, anything that I work the steps around, like if I really work hard on the, and I use the steps, that I can really experience an emotional and a spiritual change around that issue. You know, the physical is, um, you know, right now this is the body I have, and it's actually starting to age and sag in even newer locations. And um, there are areas I have to work on more acceptance. But I really think I have come to a place that I really am in you know, really in gratitude for my body, for my health. You know, I have, um, I'm the child, I'm the six, I'm the baby of six children, and I'm the only one who has physical recovery, and um, my siblings are still smoking and drinking and eating to excess and, um, you know, getting scary doctor's reports. And my mom passed away uh, three years ago. She was um, about 100 pounds overweight on oxygen, um, diabetes. You know, like I have a lot to be grateful for. I'm physically really healthy. I just had a physical and everything came back great. So um, how can I, like, you know, sort of spit in the eye of my higher power by saying, I hate this body. 
It's just not, it's not cool. Um, but the way that I find acceptance is really through working the steps around it. You know, I'm powerless over certain things. Um, I have to come to believe that I will feel better about myself if I work the steps. Um, step three is make a decision to turn it over and, you know, basically do things, walk through fears regarding my body, take off my shirt at the beach, even if I think people are going to gasp. <gasps> um, you know, lay, <laughs> it's like it's always on my mind. I was at the pool yesterday, and I, I bent over to get my book off the ground, and, like, everything sags down. It's like I have udders all of a sudden. <laughs> and I think, who's looking? Oh, who cares? It's an OA conference. And uh, so I have to kind of keep walking through the fears, do the stuff that feels uncomfortable, allow the, the self-hatred thoughts to flow in, but then, you know, try to replace them with something of acceptance. And, and just know that, like, you know, there, there's only so much I can do, especially around my physical being. You know, I mean, I guess there are surgeries. I am not willing to do those anymore. I'm not even thinking about them. So now it's really, it's 100% about acceptance and, um, and taking care of myself. Did I get that one minute yet or no? No. no. Oh, okay. Um, so um, if you're struggling with body image, um, I, feel, I think it's like cravings. They're never going to be gone forever. You know, I mean, there's still days when I walk in the grocery store. Actually, I just got back from two weeks in Paris, and um, it's like food porn there. It's like everywhere you look, oh, wow, look at that. Don't look at that. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I mean, I see it's delicious and sexy and I want to eat it, but I, and I let that craving come in, but I, you know, I know, I think it through, and I know that if I ate one bite of one thing that I would then be in the, stuck in a bakery for the rest of my trip, so I don't eat it. And it's the same thing with these self-hating thoughts. It's like they come into my mind, I can't really entertain them for very long, or I'll get depressed, and maybe it'll drive me toward food or something. So I really have to do whatever it takes to change that thinking, to really get into acceptance. Um, it might mean a call to my sponsor. It might mean talking about it. It might mean joking about it. It might mean, you know, like my, my partner still, he screams at me and slaps my hand because when I go in the mirror at home, I lift up my fat roll. I mean, I, they're not fat rolls anymore. They're just skin. I have a lot of loose skin. I lift it up so it's all nice and tight. And I go, look at that. Look at that. Wouldn't that be nice if I could just cut all that off? And he says, stop it. I'm like, all right, I'll stop it. And my time's up. So um, I think I'll just read. I bookmarked at some point today something from the for today, and I don't even remember why I bookmarked it. Um, let's see. Where, what page was it? Uh, let's see. I have never seen a person grow or change in a constructive direction when motivated by guilt, shame, or hate. If you eat too much... You're a glutton. If you weigh too much, you won't be popular with the boys or girls. Heaping new guilt upon old, I tried to reform myself. I dieted. I lost weight. There, now I look terrific. But for how long? And did I like myself any better inside? Of all the remedies I tried, only in OA did I feel accepted for what I was, not for what I might become. Only in OA did I feel my problem was nothing to be ashamed of. Only in OA was I able to lose the weight and keep it off. Without guilt, without shame, without self-hate. For today, I let no one, including myself, try to shame me into changing something about myself I wish were different. I pray to be relieved of guilt and self-hate and to accept and like myself exactly as I am. That is where I can begin to change. All right, thanks. Thank you, Grisha. And our third 
And final speaker is Seema from San Francisco. Actually, Grisha just just said that he would speak for me, so I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> very good, Grisha. Very good. Okay, I'm Seema. I'm a recovering anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive overeater from San Francisco. And I didn't think I was nervous until I got up, but I'm nervous. But that'll go away. Oh, oh, you can't hear me. Okay, it's because I'm shorter than he is. Here we go. Is that better? Better? Okay, I have to stand near it. Okay. Um, hmm. So this morning, when I got here, I went right away into the boutique. I love thrift stores, and I always love the OA Region 2 ones particularly. And I bought some stuff. And one of them was a pair of blue wool socks. I walked around, took my dog for a walk, went to a workshop, and then went into the bathroom to take something out, and I had lost the socks. You're going to wonder what this has to do with body image. It does. It'll, I'll get there. Um, I had lost the socks. Okay, big deal, right? They're a dollar each. For me, it, was not a big, it would not have been a big deal if I weren't in this program. And the way I know that is for two seconds, it was not a big deal. I thought, oh, my God, I lost the socks. Where are they? I better go look for them. Oh, my God, I'm so stupid. And my stomach started to hurt. And my over pair of $1 socks that had belonged to somebody else first anyway. Um, now, before I got into OA, OA, that could have triggered a major binge. Just losing a pair of socks. Um, and today all it did was trigger a few minutes, well, more than a few minutes, but a short period of time of discomfort and shame that I could lose a pair of socks. And then I went back and bought two more pairs of socks, and it was gone. You know, the shame was gone. And I wrote about it. Um, And the way that that is about body image is because I walked around for my whole life with that intense, contracted, oh, my God, I'm doing something wrong in my gut for my whole life. Um, I can't remember, well, of course, I can't remember specifically a day without it. I probably had a few days without it when I was on drugs. Um, But that's why I started using the food. I started using the, actually, I originally started using the food because I wanted to be Twiggy. Talking about all that glitters, Twiggy glittered. She was six foot one and weighed 93 pounds, and she was very popular, I was short. I still am. Um, (laughs) Getting shorter at 63, but I was short. I was actually an average weight uh, my whole life um, until I met Miss Twiggy in the the magazine. But I was not a very outgoing person, and I was afraid of others. And I was one of those girls who is so shy that the boys make fun of you. The The mean boys would go around making fun of me. Um, I had friends, but if I became Twiggy, that was my gold nugget. I'm going to be thin like Twiggy, and everybody will love me. Um, Now, this didn't pop out of nowhere. I come from a family of compulsive overeaters, several obese people, and it's a culture. I guess many cultures have this issue, but it's a culture in which we would walk into somebody's house. We hadn't seen them in maybe a month or two, and the first thing they would say is, Oh, my God, you've lost weight. And they all said that to each other. So obviously weight is important, right? First thing, every single encounter with my family. Um, so weight was obviously important. And actually, I think that losing weight was probably more important than actually what you weighed, given how my family reacted by always asking about it. 
Um, so anyway, when I got the opportunity to go away from college and leave my family, which was a, actually a very good thing, um, I decided to follow the Seventeen magazine, going away to college, lose that five, first five pounds diet. And it was about 1,000 calories a day, and many of you who are my age might remember the Seventeen magazine's diets to lose the freshman 15, right? I lost the freshman 45. Um, it didn't take me very long um, because I basically just, I could tell you today what my food plan was. It was one bar- boiled egg in the morning. It was a cup of cottage cheese with lots of ketchup <laughs> and a lettuce salad. And in the evening, I would have like a chicken wing or something. So um, I got very skinny very fast, and um, I was miserable. It didn't make me happy. It didn't make me taller. Um, <laughs> didn't give me a long-waisted body, and um, what I got in touch with, although, well, I didn't get in touch with it. What happened, and what I realized years later, was I was terrified to be out on my own. I was terrified to be away from my family, not because they were so great, but because of all the feelings that were coming up now that they weren't around, saying, how are you doing? What's going on? Don't close your door. I mean, it was a very claustrophobic family, and I went from claustrophobia an extreme to nobody's around. Oh, my God. So lots of fears. Um, and so I was anorexic, and I did it very well, as many, most anorexics know. It was really exciting, but it was the only thing I was really proud of, and I was no longer ashamed of my body. The one thing that anorexia gave me, it was a superficial lack of shame, but I didn't care. I'd take superficial over feeling the shame. And I... I loved it, that I didn't feel shame. But eventually, my body, I was one of the lucky ones whose body would not let me keep going with the anorexia. We've had, I know at least one person in the program who died of anorexia. Um, My body started saying, come on, give me a chocolate bar. Come on, give me a pint of ice cream. Come on, feed me. Um, So I had to start eating. And, but I didn't like having food in my stomach because that terrified me. So I discovered throwing up. And bulimic was not a word in 1967. It had not been invented as a diagnosis yet. Um, I don't think it would have helped me if it had, but nobody really knew about it. So I would go on these huge binges, and then I would throw up. Um, And then I found out that I couldn't stop throwing up. Um, I always thought it was simple, you know, but I couldn't stop. So to fast forward and not go through all the gory details, um, I dropped out of college um, because I couldn't stand the pressure. And because, another thing that anorexics have in common is we're afraid of getting fat. We're not afraid because we are fat. We may never have been fat, but we are afraid of getting fat. And you know what? When you have that fear, you can never be thin enough because every ounce you have on you that is more than you think you should um, is too much. Anyway, um, I did go home. I started binging out of control, and because I was living in my parents' house, I couldn't throw up as much. I thought they never found... I thought they didn't know, but it turned out they did. But I was also being very careful. So um, I started gaining some weight. I went back to college. My very... um, 
I'm going to take a time out here for breathing. Breathing is a very important part of body image, by the way, that I have discovered in sobriety in this sobriety in this program. If you can't inhale and exhale, you're not going to be able to have good body image. <laughs> Somebody agreed. Okay. Um, the long and short of it is I worked my way through however many years ago, that's 1967 to maybe about two or three or four years ago, um, with an incredible fear of getting fat. It got easier as I was longer in program. I've been in program since 1978. I'm not one, somebody who came and never left. I went in and out. My first leaving was when my sponsor said, no more peanut butter. I'd rather be fat. Well, of course I was lying, but I didn't know what else to say. Finally, um, I did come back when a friend of mine who'd come in with me, who had gotten very thin very quickly, was not anorexic, and dressed beautifully. I wanted to be her. Ran into me in the street, and she was not model thin anymore. She was a kind of hefty. And she said, Seema, there's a new meeting in San Francisco. It's called what, Relapse and Recovery. It's 12 Steps Within. You've got to come back. Um, so I said, okay, I'll try it. And so I have to say that this focus, it's, a, it's part of OA, and it's a, a focus that helps people who are in relapse or unable to get abstinent who are in the program. And I came back, and I saw all the people who I got thin with were kind of a little soft around the edges. I was still pretty skinny, but I didn't feel skinny. I felt, I always felt about 30 pounds more than I was. Um, so I never, I had no idea how big my body was. Um, and I was fearful. I was afraid because I didn't know how big my body was. And if you don't know where your body is or how big it is, that doesn't give you much of a foundation for living a healthy life. Um, but I did um, get into OA in 1978, and I kept coming back and leaving and coming back and leaving. And the last time I get back, came back was in 1993 when I had a pretty severe anorexic relapse. I went into the hospital for, not for anorexia, but for a hysterectomy, and I decided it would be a good idea to go on a vision quest fast before I went to the hospital, because what else are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stop eating for five days if you're going to do something dramatic. Uh, never occurred to me that an anorexic should not go on a vision quest. Anyway, when I came out um, of the hospital, I waited until I... The, the stitches were all healed, and then I started binging and purging again. The biggest part of my story is the bulimia, which means that if you're bulimic, you not only have the compulsive overeating, I mean huge amounts of food, which most of you can relate to, but the, my second addiction was throwing up. I couldn't live without throwing up. It was, my sec, it was worse for me than the overeating, in fact, in my particular situation. It does all sorts of things to your metabolism. So... How can I relate this to body image? Well, I, did, I, I spoke on the body image thing three years ago here at the conference, and I wore a huge blouse and a huge pair of pants, and I took them off on stage, which was new for me to do that. And I had on a leotard and tights, which even when I was thin, which was actually most of my life, if I think about it, um, I had I'd always been too ashamed to have my body show in public. I learned how to turn that around in Overeaters Anonymous. This program saved my life. I didn't know it saved my life. I did not want to be here. I kept coming back, and then I left. Thank God I'm not there. And then I'd come back, and I really needed you all. 
And that's why I'm here. Now I'm here because I love it. I love you all, and I love my sobriety. Um, but the fear of getting fat was a hard one to let go of. Um, and it was very tied to the anorexia and very tied to a very low self body, uh, body self-image, very low body self-image. I just thought I was ugly. And if I got fat, then I would be alone and nobody would want me. And I didn't even know what those terms, the term nobody would want me really meant, but I knew it would be horrible. So um, I just didn't feel my body, even in sobriety, for a long time. Um, but I kept working the program. Once I got in in 1993, I didn't, come, I didn't leave. That's what I did. I keep, kept coming back, and I kept working the program that I was able to work. I found that for me, weighed and measured, or three meals a day, no, nothing in between, or no sugar, no flour, did not work. What those things did was to have me lose weight, and that was the worst thing for me. So with lots of help um, from sponsors and other people, I started finding ways to eat that would help me get to a normal size. I'm a normal size today. I weigh an, appro- I weigh an appropriate amount of weight for my body. And of course, when we first come in here, that's what everybody wants, right? Whether you're a 100-pounder or you're anorexic. I mean, I didn't want a normal weight at the time. I didn't think I did. But now that I have it, I'm so grateful. And then I started discovering that this is not about the food. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's really not about the food and really not about the weight. And at the same time, it is because I can't think of anything more spiritual than treating ourselves well and feeding my body and making sure that I'm so skinny, that I'm not so skinny that I can't feel my feet when I walk. Um, And that's when I started working the steps with a sponsor, a co-sponsor, actually. I have somebody who's at the same level as I am Um, working the steps And talking to another person honestly about all my stuff really helped me stay in my body at times when it was normal for me to leave, which was about maybe, what's a a day, 26 hours in a, 24 hours in a day? It was about 18 hours a day I was not in my body. And the rest of the time I was asleep and I didn't know I was in my body. Um, Slowly over time, um, oh, I can't see, I'm fine, okay. I'm feeling a little scattered today. My my shares are usually so well organized, and all I put all I wanted to put down to, for a starter was that I lost the blue socks. And 15 years ago, I would have binged my brains out over a pair of a dollar lost socks. And I don't have to do that anymore. Anyway, I have a body today that I can live with. I still have the residual effects of having been anorexic and bulimic for a long time. Is that um, I get really scared when I gain weight, Um, really scared. I have things to do now when I get really scared. I can say the serenity prayer. I can go to a meeting. I work with my sponsor. I remind myself what I looked like. I looked like a concentration camp survivor. I did not think so, but I did. I've seen a few pictures. Um, So all of the things that I used to feel and I used to do, I still have them to a lesser degree. I still crave food and want to eat all of it, walk into a Safeway and eat all of it, but I can't because I'd be throwing up for the next two weeks, um, and I don't do that. So little by little, one step at a time, I just kept doing the things that I needed to do, and I, 
not be real specific about them because there's so many of them, did all the things that I could think of doing in the program to have things stack up. It's been very imperfect. Imperfect, by the way, is the new perfect, so we're all in good shape. <laughs> and so I am at a place right now where I, I don't fear my size. I'm not terrified that I'm going to get fat. I don't think there's anything wrong with, morally wrong with being fat. Um, what else do I want to say about that? I'm fairly healthy, and I haven't talked about my spiritual, pro- my spiritual program. I have like a minute or something? 30 seconds. Okay, I don't believe in God. <laughs> no, and I'm, also not, <laughs> and I'm also not an atheist. Um, my spiritual path does not have a single being higher than myself, but it definitely has forces larger than myself, and that works for me. Um, That works for me very well. And so really all I'm trying to say is that whether it's body image or anything else, we all have different ways of finding what we need here. Some of us need weight and measured. Some of us need calling our sponsor at 6 in the morning every day. I needed to have the room to find what would work for me that wouldn't be a lie for me because I lied my whole life about everything. So in order for me to be genuine, and I'm all... Okay, my time's up. In order for me to be genuine, I had to follow a path that got me to, this feels right, this doesn't, and check it out with people and stuff like that. And... I guess that's it. I don't have any more to say. In fact, this felt like an awful lot. But thank you for listening, and keep coming back. Thanks, Seema. Okay, the meeting is now open for three-minute pitches on the topic of body image. What I'm going to go ahead and do is read this reading again, if you don't mind. Perfection for me is a killer. I can never be perfect. Only God is perfect. I have had enough shame in my life that I don't need to shame myself over not having a perfect abstinence. As long as I am abstinent today, my goal weight is what I weigh today. I don't worry about it because I can't change my weight one day at a time. Only God can do that instantly, and if I'm abstinent, my weight is exactly what God wants it, wants it to be today. Weight is not the problem. Life is the problem, and I work on that through the 12 steps and daily contact with my God. And since I'm up here, I guess I'm going to go ahead and share. Because, um, hi, uh, my name is Phil. I'm a compulsive reader. Yeah, when I found out that I would be uh, moderating this uh, this workshop, I was feeling pretty excited because uh, bo- body image has always been a touchy um, issue for me. Um, I, I I get extremely bent out of shape when when um, people at work use um, my old nicknames like Big Phil, you know, because it's like, gee, that doesn't feel right. I mean. You know, I, I'm not big anymore, but why do they do it? Are they doing it because it's true? You know, I get distorted around that. It's like my thinking feels like sort of twisted, whether or not they're saying that um, seriously or if they're just saying it because they're just so used to it. 
and um, see my 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 top weight when I when I first when I um, weighed myself at my highest weight was 215 pounds. I never thought I'd be over 200 uh, 200 pounds. And when I weighed at 215 pounds several years ago, I thought the world was going to end. It was like, holy smoke, what am I going to do? You know, there's got to be an answer to this. And so I stopped weighing myself. You know, I my that weigh-in was at a gym over at 24 Hours Fitness. And I just just fell apart. So I just would not you know, want to know whether or not I was going to get any higher. But since then, you know, I found the answers through doing certain things um, around my recovery. A, a good friend of mine who um, spoke at at the, one of the workshops, he was my first sponsor in program. He had told me that, Phil, all you have to do is just give up the food. That's all there is to it. You know, just give up the food because you're just not going to die, you know, no matter what. And so one thing kind of led to another, and I started doing certain things um, to take care of myself. I heard cer- certain people in the program. I think it was Ida who shared at a workshop um, a few years ago. You know, one of the ways that we can take care of ourselves is to take care of our kitchen. If we could take care of our kitchen, we can take care of our food and be well prepared. And so... Um, I do a lot of weighing and measuring. I, I very rarely eat out. You know, if I do eat out, it, it, it might be under unusual circumstances, but um, that's something that I feel really comfortable with, and I feel more decisive about doing that. And so I do that, but, you know, um, one of the things that I also have to acknowledge, too, is that I know that I'll never reach a perfect weight no matter what, because I remember I, I went down to about like 149 pounds, And I remember people telling me, you look like a cancer patient, Phil. And so I ended up um, purposely putting some weight back on because my wife was scared and some of her coworkers were making comments. And I did look like a freak. So um, I tell you, it was scary. But uh, I, I do like, you know, my body where I'm at. But there are certain areas where I feel uncomfortable with like my legs and my thighs, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I should lose a little bit of weight there. Maybe I should do a Dear God letter or something like that and write about that. And um, I recently got a haircut, and I'm going to pull this out. And I feel very scared and frightened to pull this hat out because I got this high and tight haircut, right? So I'm worried someone might make a comment about that. So, yes, body image is definitely an issue for me, but um, it's good to be reminded that perfection for me is a killer. So that's that, and I'm going to go ahead and leave it open for anyone else who wants to share. And just a reminder, if you do want to share, also to um, sign the release form. Hi, my name is Amade. I'm a bulimic and compulsive overeater. Um, thank you to the speakers. Um, very inspirational. I really appreciate what you shared. Um, 
yeah, I suffered with body image. How many of you guys are scared of like, how many of you guys are scared of cameras? Okay. Um, I used to be very terrified of, of cameras. Um, any camera, video camera, single shot camera, hated it. Um, this program has helped me so much and it has helped me to love myself. Um, I could be very thin and in fact I was down to um, a very low weight uh, at one point in my life and I was miserable and I still thought I was fat. Um, since this program, um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, I still struggle a little bit with body image but it's not something that's on my mind 24-7. I'm currently working at a position where sometimes I have to videotape myself. And um, this is how I know this program has helped. I'm no longer camera shy. The, I had to do a videotape, and I didn't even bother to sit there and look at myself and go, you know, judge it critically and sit there and go, oh, my God, and this and that. I was able to actually focus on the video and get what I needed to get out of it, um, which... Uh, is is primarily my my profession is working with children and um it was such a relief to know that i didn't have to worry about my body image anymore and um i've only been able to get that through this program i don't think that i would have gotten it through any other way and what this program has taught me along with my sponsor and my higher power um is to genuinely love myself and the only way that i know how to love myself is to stop the negative thinking and the, net, the, the critical thinking, the comparing. Um, the only thing I compare myself to now is myself. And as long as I'm doing my best, that's all I need to do. So thank you. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi, and I want to thank everyone on the panel and Phil for sharing your truths. Really appreciate it. Um, I was sitting back there and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to share or not. Or, and my first sponsor always said, always if you have the opportunity to share, you should do it. So when you don't want to, you'll have an opportunity to do it. And when you do want to, you'll have an opportunity to do it. I was sitting there thinking about a little thing that helped me with my body image. I don't know about you, but I was almost 300 pounds. And I always wanted to wake up the next morning and be 150 pounds less. And for me, body image was not something that I could just change. Look at my whole body in front of a mirror and say, I love you, I love you. But like the program, you know, small little baby steps, what I found was I could take little parts of my body and start to appreciate them. And my sponsor suggested that I write a list of 10 physical attributes, 10 things that I liked about my my body. Of course, when I first heard that idea, I was like, that's crazy. I don't like anything. And he says, you don't like anything, Michael? And I said, well, I think I have okay hands. I think my hands are actually kind of. And you know what? You can start to see my eyes now. I I actually have pretty, pretty cool eyes. And then I started to 
write other things, you know. Um, I even thought there were certain areas in my body that I thought God had given me quite a gift. And I thought, (laughs) okay, I love that. I'll put that down. (laughs) And for me, being able to start to love small parts of my small parts of my body Um, (laughs) it was in the same way that I have found with my recovery has been slow and steady and I found that I could start focusing more and more on parts of my body that I liked and more and more my body image and my attitude about my body began to improve more and more. I just wasn't one of those people who could take the glasses and just turn them around and put them on and go, I love my body all of a sudden now. I will say, and you know, I remember another speaker who said it, losing 130 pounds does definitely help the body image. So, you know, using the 12 steps and working a program and having abstinence does it a lot. I appreciated the person who said about perspective and comparing themselves. I find that when I compare myself to me the way I was when I first came into the program, I normally do really well. I'm finding now that I have to also think about how I look at you and your body and how that's a reflection of how I think about me and my body. Um, And that's something in my 26th year I get to look at. I get to be reminded my uh, stretch marks are my battle scars, that I have survived the Battle of the Bulge. You know, when the, when the guys come back from Afghanistan and they say, hey, look at this scar I got, you know, that was for whatever. And they, and they wear them almost with pride because they know they've survived this amazing turmoil, you know. That's what I, but I was laying in bed the other day and I was looking at my legs and went, oh my, they're, they're not this shapely as I would like. But then I turned around and thought, but you have really pretty eyes. And, um, and so I just wanted to get up and, 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 and participate in my own recovery, as my sponsor always said. Make sure you're participating in your own recovery. So I'm glad there's a safe place uh, to do that. So thanks. Hi, I'm Mary Ellen. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi. Uh, every time I come to a convention, I come to this workshop, and I think I'm going to get the magic bullet or whatever it is to finally learn to accept my, my uh, body, whatever it is. I want to thank the speakers for what they shared. Um, you know, it's weird coming to this conference. I've been coming to OA since March of 1999. When I first came in, I weighed well, I know I weighed at least 310 because that's what I weighed at the doctor's office. I was probably a little bit more than that. I got to uh, working in my first year and a half of abstinence. I lost all that almost 100 pounds. I was sneaking up on the 100 pounds, and then I got weirded out about it, I guess. It was all about the body image. And then I went into relapse for years and struggled with weight loss. And I gained and lost hundreds of pounds in this program, um, which is no fun because the one thing I have done is I've kept coming back no matter what. And uh, which is a good thing. So I have to be grateful for that today. But a year and a half ago, I had bariatric surgery. And in the last year and a half, I've lost over 165 pounds. So when people have seen me here, I've gotten a lot of, oh, my God, I didn't recognize you. And I get that at work all the time. And it's been really hard to accept the compliment for what it is and to 
the reverse of that and the resentment I had initially was, why the hell didn't you recognize me before? I mean, I always took care of the dress nice. I always had my makeup nice. I, you know, didn't you recognize my eyes? Didn't you recognize my voice? I've had people I know well stand and talk to me for minutes and then finally say, oh, my God, you're Mariel. It's weird. I've had my boss stand up in a business meeting and say, well, Mariel, you've lost so much weight. You know, if you turn sideways, we won't see you in front of all of my coworker male managers, which is equally strange. And, like, my weight loss is a subject of conversation in management meetings, which it is. And, um, and I've had to learn how to deal with that and accept it as a co the compliment for which it is intended. And, and I've learned that in this program. I just have to smile and say thank you. So, um, yeah, body image is, is something I struggle with. And I appreciated Grisha sharing about the surgery because for the people that have had this operation, it's like you do this and then that's what you do next. And so uh, I had assumed I was going to do that. And I don't know if I'm going to do that now. I need to look at that. But um, for the first time in my adult life, I'm at what passes for a normal weight. I'm wearing normal size clothes. I can shop at the, I don't have to shop in the big lady stores anymore. Um, uh, that, that is still something in my head I struggle with. When I hold up a shirt that's a size large, it doesn't look like it's possibly I could fit into it. And yet I do. Um, so the head still hasn't quite caught up with where my weight is, and that's okay. It's getting there. But my head was never at my biggest weight. When I saw my before picture, when I was at my surgeon's weight at 320, I forgot to mention that I had gotten back up to over 320 in this program uh, when I had the surgery, um, I can see why people don't recognize me. Because I never thought I was that big. I never realized how much space I took up. I bumped into things all the time because I didn't realize how big I was. So somewhere in the middle of that 165-pound weight loss, I passed the what I thought I looked like and how big I was. And I got down to what I am now. And um, like I said, the head is still catching up. So uh, I am grateful for this program. I'm going to keep coming back because I need the, you know, they didn't operate on my head. So... Um, <laughs> I may, I may have new plumbing, but the head's the same. So, the, uh, uh, I, you know, i got to keep coming back because I'm still a compulsive overeater. Thank you. Hi, I'm Karen, a compulsive eater. Hi, Karen. I was just thinking um, what came to me... Um, about body image is that I've had to learn and do processes to appreciate um, what my body can do. Not just the image. Um, I've had to learn to appreciate the things my body does just out of course of being a body. And learning, having to take, um, I, I, I started running. And on a run, I just started laughing in the middle of a run, a real long run. And I'm just laughing. The person next to me, why are you laughing? And I'm saying, because I am so grateful that my legs can carry me this far, that I can run and my heart's going really, I can run and be at a pace where my heart's not come feel and lungs aren't going to feel like they're coming out of my body, out of, I'm not, they're not coming out of my mouth. Because when I first started running, that's what it felt like. And it's, when I get stuck in that image of what it looks like, I have to um, be appreciative of what it does, the heartbeat, the feel, what it feels like, and really learn how to appreciate what the process of life in general. And um, when I was the heaviest, one of the, when I started, the pro, um, started um, in my recovery, one of the things I also did, strange as it sounds, 
I, took, I looked in the mirror and I prayed, um, played a Christina Aguilera song, I am be- that beautiful song. I just played it over and over and over again and I just started bawling. And after that, something broke in me where it didn't, I didn't have to look in the mirror and, and only look at the head, looking at my head. That was it. That's all I would ever look at before. So I kind of had a, um, in the process of playing that song and looking in the mirror, I kind of went, okay, a little further. <laughs> kind of take my head a little further down and each time it played it went a little bit farther down and I'm like okay I can listen to this and I can appreciate it and it's just doing things like that to show appreciation to my body by taking care of it you know even um, my nails don't look like it now but I went and got my nails done at one point just because it's appreciation of my body and celebrating the weird silly things because when I was heavier I wouldn't even worry about um stains on my clothes I wouldn't just doing those things I need to do to appreciate it showing appreciation in my body that you're still alive you're still sending just weird things like that it gets me out of that negative loop I get into sometimes where that doesn't look good that doesn't look good whatever it is I find a way to that's my way of getting out of it anyway thank you We still have time for a couple minutes if anyone wants to share. Hi, I'm Adriana, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I have to say this out loud. Um, I um, I'm getting married in November. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I bought a dress two sizes too small for myself. And um, I don't fit into it. And when you get married, you have to have alterations done month, two months in advance. And um, I don't know why I'm kind of stalling with really getting real with my program. I know my program is going to, um, I guess, fix the problem. Or <laughs> This image of looking a certain way on my wedding day is important to me. And I think you women can relate, and maybe even your men. Um, I want to look a certain way on my special day, and somehow I think it's going to define me, you know. And one of my fears is that I'm not going to be able to fit into the dress, and I'm going to have to alter it some other way. That's not going to look as attractive. And um, so I have this dress sitting in um, this beautiful box, and I pull it out kind of scared, you know, because um, it doesn't fit. And I'm here today because I need the recovery. It's not about the dress. It's about me. It's about me accepting myself for who I am today and the way I look and loving myself this way and not caring about what people think of me and my dress or my size 16 instead of the the size I want to be. So for today, I just I'm abstinent today. And um, I'm excited about my future. I, you know, ask if you could keep me in prayer to make sure that I can mentally get well and then the rest will come. Thank you.
Okay, that is all the time that we have for sharing. It is now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Thank you for showing for my recovery, too. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Let's see, a quick announcement before we close. The hotel needs this room to empty. Oh, okay. The hotel needs this room to empty as soon as possible to start set up for the next event. We invite you all to continue um, to continue with your fellowship in the atrium and pool areas after we close. Thank you. Now, if you would please join hands as we close with the OA promise. I put my hand in yours. And that's on the program if you don't have it memorized. <laughs>